Hi, I'm Mike Nagrant, and you're listening to Hungry Magazine from Chicago, Illinois. Four, three, two, one more time. Hey, welcome back to Hungry Magazine Interviews. We're a little podcast crazy, two podcasts in less than a week, which is kind of unheard of for us, and hopefully we'll keep it going. This week's podcast is with Brian Houston, chef de cuisine of The Publican, which opens in about two weeks here in Chicago. Publican's one of the more anticipated restaurant openings because it involves Paul Kahn and Blackbird and Avec, and uh, I know we're really excited about it here in Chicago, and I think a lot of people will be excited about it outside of Chicago. I hope you enjoy the interview. So you, you kind of started in, at Blackbird in, in the earlier days before it was the phenomenon that it's kind of become. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were those days like? I mean, were they sort of bootstrapping? Were they like set by the seat of your pants kind of? It was, you know what, uh, I loved it. It was it was like a family. You know, there was that, that initial group. It was a lot smaller. Um, you know, still today the, the owners are still really involved. I think they're working owners. They're not... Yeah, I saw Donnie uh, downstairs. Yeah, they're, all, they're, always, they're either here or they're doing an event somewhere else, you know. Um, but, you know, Ricky's Ricky's one of the owners. His mom was rolling truffles. Uh, they didn't have, like, an upstairs. You know, we were all together downstairs in the basement working together. And so, like, you're, you know, I was working side by side with the pastries, and I was working side by side with Ricky's mom rolling truffles. And, um you know, we were all closed on Sundays, so we'd get together a lot. Um, you were just really tight. And, and I thought, you know, when I left, I would come back home and I would come to Blackbird as much to see my family as to see these guys. I thought it was just kind of this family atmosphere. It was kind of my first. I'd been working at good restaurants, but they were kind of like juggernauts, like, like Blackbird is now, where, you know, you're access to the chef you know you make an appointment or you know it's but 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 back then it was uh it was uh, a lot more of a family feel i thought i mean it was hustle and bustle for sure they have five guys on the line now we had three back then food's a lot more intricate now it's uh it, it, it was a lot simpler i think back then but you know the flavors were bold and and uh and good then for the time and now i think you know, it's it's a it's a whole new ball game. But I think what has been great about Blackbird has progressed as food has progressed. Yeah, it hasn't stayed the same. Mm-hmm. You bring in like Mike, and he brings like a whole new sensibility. Mike to is it. awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've that's why I'm here now. Is I came back to open up the Publican, and in waiting, I was at a vac for most of the time. But then Paul hired Mike. He wanted me to experience his stuff too, just to see everything. It's like a stage within itself, I guess. So. so you spent some time in Boulder. You spent some time in San Francisco. And obviously, the highlights in, in San Francisco are Chez Panisse and also Zuni Cafe. Uh-huh. There was some, you know, those are some legendary places. Uh-huh. Um, you know, what did you get out of that time, maybe, in, in Colorado and in San Francisco? Well, San Francisco is all about product. I mean, far. I think everyone in San Francisco was was. Uh, was battling to get the product first. Um, and I think that that's one of the other things we're trying to do with the public. And I, I read an article a couple years ago in the New York Times about how everyone that's, it's, it's almost like if you love San Francisco, you should leave it. Everyone at all these restaurants in San Francisco, they all worked at Chez Panisse, and they all are kind of doing that Chez Panisse-style food. And I'm reading this and thinking to myself, God, you know, that's what Chicago needs. You know, there's just 100 of these restaurants in San Francisco. There's not... Hardly any of them, if any of them, in Chicago. And uh, I just kind of learned that, you know, the seasonality, the simple food, uh, 
you know, really trying to source out the best ingredients you can. And uh, I think that was the, the San Francisco. Colorado, you know, I worked for some good people. I, 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 work, I, I guess I kind of learned to, you know, make the best out of what you have. Um, but Colorado has some good stuff. I, mean, I still think their peaches are better than peaches here. Hmm. I think their tomatoes are so dry out there that the tomatoes are, are Get really concentrated. Yeah, they're really, they're really good. Were you scared? I was. You know, I, I think I went out there, you know, like I said, I, you know, I appreciate the Chicago winter now. I think when I left Chicago, I was like, I want some sunshine. I want, and I got all that in Colorado. But um, I'm still a cook. And I think I pushed it the first year I was out there and skied all the time. But, you know, I was, ran myself ragged. And, and uh, you know, it's tough when you're cooking and you're spending, you know, 60 yeah. hours a week in the kitchen to get up at 5 in the morning and make it to the mountains. And right. uh, so it tapered off towards the end where I was, you know, hardly going skiing at all. You know, yeah. A couple times a year with friends. But uh, So I read that Jimmy Bonas told you cooking was a great hobby. Yeah. Uh, um, Why'd you ignore it? <laughs> you know, and I was pretty bitter. I was in advertising right out of college, and um, I was pretty determined. You know, I'd kind of, I had done a couple uh, gigs where I was a production assistant, and, you know, they just treated me like shit, and I was, you know, I ran errands for, you know, got coffee and lunch, right. and, and it was, like, totally stereotypical, like, what the, f- you know, what is this, you know, I asked for that, and you know, you didn't, and you know, I not like my beginning experience in the kitchen were any better. Right. But at the time, I was like, you know, this is. But at know, least you were cooking. Like yeah, you were I was. Doing that was the thing, and and so for me, it, it was. I had a couple bad experiences, and uh, you know, I went to talk to Jimmy, and I, I said, hey, you know, I want to be cooking. And he said, he said it was going to be a good hobby, but I was like, you know, I'd like to give this a try, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, the funny thing, even after that, I'd been applying to all these different places, and sure enough, I take the job with Jimmy Banos, and like a month later, I get a call from two different editing houses that, that want to hire me, and, you know, my family was like, are you crazy? You know, I, uh, you know what, you, you know, you're throwing your college education away to be a cook, and you know, I don't really look at it as that. I mean, I, and I was like, you know, I just want to ride this out. I want to see where it takes me. And in a year or two years, it's not my thing, then it's not my thing. But I want to see, uh, you know, I decided to make that transition. Let's do it and see where it gets me. And, you know, two years later, I was in San Francisco working at Zuni, and I was, you know, I was loving it. Yeah. So. And you see that it's much more than just cooking, you know. Oh well, just... no, well, that's been the greatest thing, you know, and that's another San Francisco trait is that I had no idea that. I mean, we joke that cooking's the easy part now, you know. And people say at least you love what you do. Well, I don't love it when the dishwasher breaks down or someone doesn't show up for work. And but what I do love that I didn't know was a part of it was was the whole relationship with like farmers and different purveyors and I've been on the phone recently with these ham purveyors that Kentucky and Virginia and I'm like listen I hear your ham is so great and their southern hospitality and a little bit of a twang when they talk and I said I could talk to these people all day on the phone you know because I mentioned that I hear your ham is great and then they perk up and they get excited about it and all of a sudden I have this new friend and 
I think that that's something that I really enjoyed. I heard you like to cook at home, which seems kind of rare for a chef. You don't hear that all. It's almost like it's a busman's holiday to do so. <laughs> I, I I don't understand the cooks that, that that don't. I mean, I said to someone at the farmer's market this morning, I was like, you know, I was eating a, a cherry tomato, and one of the farmers was like, oh, so you're eating? And I was like, oh, I think most cooks like to eat before they like to cook. And... I think that's number one, but number two, it's like I got into cooking because I like to cook at home. Mm-hmm. And I can see people, you know, if some guy or some chef lives at home by themselves, you know, they're not cooking these lavish meals, but when right. you get together with family and friends, I don't think there's anything better. You know, it's it's fun cooking and getting the accolades for these people that you don't know and hearing, you know, that they like the food, but there's nothing better than having your friends come over. Yeah. And, 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 and that was the other thing, you know, it was... I was in advertising, and I always thought I always had trouble showing my my films or my my projects to people. But cooking was something where I I I, I embraced it. I enjoyed it. I liked putting food in front of friends, and I wasn't like nervous about it or, or hesitant to do so. And I thought that that was kind of helped me with that thought process of going from. You know, creative and advertising to creative and cooking. It wasn't something like I was like, I don't want you to see this. And like all through college, I was like, I'd put together these movies and films and stuff, and I'd hate the showing of them. I couldn't like be there because I just wasn't happy with any of the work I did. And then always with cooking, it was something where I was like, you know, here, try this. You know, what do you think? And without a hesitation. Was it like somehow that the film was more personal or I just was never happy with uh, what I was doing. Yeah. You know, I just I people would be like, you know, it's great, Brian, you did you know, I like it, I like what you're doing and I was like, it sucks, you know. But you just felt more confident about your food. I felt more confident about my food. You know, looking at the publican menu, I mean I can't remember a menu where like I looked at it and I wanted to order every single thing on the menu. It, it's like it looks sick, man. That's good. That's 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 the best. Uh, you couldn't give me a better compliment than that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what the hell do I order? Like, do I need to bring my bank account? No, <laughs> that's, how I, no. that's how I feel about looking at it. Um, I know you guys spend a lot of time on Mondays, like, just cooking at Paul's house, right? Uh-huh. Um, tell me a little bit about that, what that was like. And, you know, maybe, like, were there some just, like, no way, this is never, this is horrible? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, was, he would grade us. Like, he would be, like, C-. minus, And we'd walk out of there. It, it would be me, Paul, uh, Paul's wife. Erling, she's going to be the sous chef, uh, my girlfriend, Chrissy, and, uh, you know, Erling would bring a, a random here or there, but, but, it, you know, I say we were successful half the time, you know, and the other half of the time, you know, we walked out feeling like, God damn, you know, can we do this? But then what we would do is, you know, Tuesday I'd fix it, and then Wednesday we he'd eat it here, and he'd be like, okay, that's what I'm looking for. And he's he's never satisfied, and I think it's a great you know it's a great characteristic. That's why the food at both these places are so great, is because he's just never. There's always could be something done better, but it, it's it also can be frustrating. It's it's like you know you're really proud of something you put it in front of him, and he's like, ah, this is what I want. Well, that's why he's successful. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and he's. But it was also fun too. I mean, I think that. Initially, we just had a lot of fun, drank a lot of beer, and grilled out at his house, and we kind of lost focus in the night. <laughs> that then we, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we don't even know what we're tasting anymore. We're on our eighth chicken, and, you know, 
someone's drunk and someone's playing with the CD player and uh, you know he's got a great stereo at his house, great grill and great kitchen. So you know we're in heaven there, and it's that's you know going back to the little cooking for family. I, I love it. So that's why it took so long to open because you guys were yeah. That's the reason. That's the reason. I wish that was the problem, but I think that that's uh, it was a lot of fun, and I think that you know. The other thing too, and getting back to your menu question, or like, you know, we're hoping to change it all the time, and I think that uh, that's something that we're going to have to embrace. And you know, he is critical, but you know, be not afraid to fail. You know, what I'd love it is if you come one night and you're like, dude, I don't know what to order. I, I, everything looks good, and then some nights you're just like, well, that's what I want. What the hell is that? Mm-hmm. And I don't know about that one. But then the next time you come, you're like, oh, my God, everything looks great. I mean, just to not be afraid to, to try something and have it not work. I mean, I think early in myself, we're still young and, you know, by no means are, you know, walk around saying we know everything. And I think that, you know, with Paul having the confidence in us, I think that we're going we're gonna to hit more home runs than singles. But I think that it's going to, you know. We do want to have that emphasis of trying to change it is at least a couple, you know, at least a couple items every day and not get stuck. What's the fundamental difference between making it on the menu and not making it on the menu in that testing process? Did you get any sense of like there was just like it was missing some acid or something like that? Well, I think it's it's more that we just we're usually it's either we're really close or we're way off. You know, it's do you have. It's technique, I think. It's it's executing how, figuring out the best way to prepare it. You know, whether it's fried or roasted or uh, raw. You know, what's the best way to prepare it? And I think what we would do is we would we would think we this is the best way, and then we'd be like, no, and let's try it this way, and then okay, there it is. That's that's the way to do. It. And I think that that was. That was the issue. Was it, it, you know sometimes we'd have we thought we had a good idea of how to make it, and we just we were you know we were wrong. We, I mean it was like you know I think this would be better pan seared mm-hmm. than than you know braised or so I think that that was that was the major thing was just kind of technique and execution. You talk about Paul's restlessness with trying to get things right and. Even talking about this, it suggests that there's he has maybe more of an, an intuitive sense of how something should be done based on his years of experience. Yeah. What 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 else do you take from Paul? You know, like what, how has he been a big influence on you as a cook? He's you know I tell people all the time that he was the first chef I could come to and talk to you about something other than food. He's got a lot on his plate, and yet he still can take the time and talk to you, talk to you about the Cubs, and talk to you about music and. I say that he's been his big influence as far as music on me as food. I mean, his record collection is second to none, and his yeah. stereo is... I've heard about his manda. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fat. Uh, but he, he's, uh, he's, he's, just a, he's just a really good guy. And a lot of, you know, like I said, the other chefs before him, it was, you got to make an appointment. You know, I've been, and you know, he may be that way now. Uh, luckily, I've been able to maintain and... and you know, when I need to get a hold of him, I give him a call, or he's right there beside me. So it, I think that that was, that was refreshing because I'd, I'd kind of taken the path of work for good people, work at great places, and yet 
you know, I was just a cook, and I didn't really feel, I felt like a member of the family here. And I think Paul gives that off. I think Donnie gives that off. I think that that's, you know, kind of where they're at. And it's refreshing, you know. It's nice to, it's nice to work here. So you're a Cubs fan? So I'm a Cubs fan. What I get? Yeah. So you're pretty excited right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't or imagine. Like, you got to temper it. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's, it's, you know, one thing we do, we listen to every Cubs game here on the radio. Every every game, so it couldn't. There's not a better place to be working right now than here. So I've listened to every game on the radio, and Paul's the same way. When I was last working here, was when Sammy was hitting all those home runs, and like I remember being in the basement and like screaming at the top, "Yeah, Sammy hit another!" And so it's even heightened working here. Paul's a huge Cubs fan, and for me, I I can't imagine what this town is going to do if if. You know, what you if know, they both go? Yeah, I mean, crazy, <laughs> crazy, you know. And You're going to have to lock down all yeah, the restaurants. Uh, and just... I mean, I'm an, I'm an Obama guy, too, and I hear the other day that he was yeah. like, I'm a Sox fan, you know. Nobody and, watches the game. Yeah, I was fair. like, dude, come on, man. You can't, you know, that's that's a little rough, you know. But, you know, for some reason, I guess we, we take that, you know, the Sox fans are their things. And I can't fault him for that. He's a Southside guy. But that's the thing is... That I think if, if you're honest with yourself, you can appreciate that because you're like, you know what? He's from Chicago. He's from the South Side. This, yeah. is, who, this is who he is, you yeah. know. And, that, and I like, as opposed to, well, you know. Uh, I'm also, and maybe it's because I'm a Cubs fan, but you know, I went to Sox games as a kid. You know, I my you know I grew up in, in Evanston, and and you know I was closer to the Cubs, and you know I jumped on the bandwagon when the Sox won the World Series for sure. You know, that's that's awesome. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a hater. I yeah. think that you know. I think you find that out of Cubs fans too. Is yeah. that we're not haters like that. Maybe Paul, but not me. Yeah, the Sox have just been mired in bitterness for all these years yeah, of being like the second fun. team, yeah. and they're like fighting. Well, supposedly when Harry Carey, I always was told that that you know the Sox were as popular as the Cubs until Harry Carey switched sides, and then true, then yeah. they, they built up. Yeah, I could, I could be wrong, but well, a lot of it was WGN. Yeah, a lot of it was. Uh, um, John McDonough, yeah. who now is doing the marketing for the Blackhawks. Yeah. The 80s was that, like, cute. I mean, I know, growing up in Detroit, when I wasn't watching the Tigers, you I was watching the Cubs, because yeah. WGN was national. Yeah. So, you know, when I first came here, I was like, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, there it is. There you know, there's is. Wrigley, there's the Ivy. It's know. beautiful, too. I mean, Although, I am a Sox fan. Oh. So. <laughs> From Detroit, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, it's the one Detroit team I gave up on. I'm a huge Red Wings fan. Like, yeah. I live and die by the Red Wings. I'm oh. a big hockey guy, but... Pistons? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. It's hard not to be. I mean, they're so good. They're so, that, all the Detroit teams are so good, and that's the thing. Is so for some reason, I'm still a Lions fan, and they're like the worst team ever. So. Well, I, I would say, you know, I was raised on the Bulls, or raised on the Bears. That was kind of the ticket we would get, and I'd go crazy for the Bears. And the, you know, growing up with Michael Jordan, you know. The crazy thing is, I feel like I'm as big a Bulls fan now as I was then. I think you know a lot of it was because I was working in San Francisco during that whole heyday. But uh, I love the Bulls, even though they suck. Kyle Lord and Rex Grossman. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I'm always the last to jump off the. You know, I I was the same way with Cade McNown. I was like, I was like, dude, just give the guy a chance, you know. And finally, I was like, all right, he sucks, you know. And for me right now, it's like Orton looked good last game. I don't know why people are booing Rex. I mean, they already demoted him second string. Why well, you got to boo the guy when you? I mean, yeah, uh, you know, 
I just want to see him do well. It's it's so frustrating the fact that we can't get a quarterback and yeah. our offense sucks. And it's amazing how many of the Bears have gone through. When you think about it, I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, you know what? The best quarterback for the Lions and the Bears in like the last twenty years is probably Eric like Kramer. Eric Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so disappointing. It's, that was a fun year too. That was that was uh, right after college. You know, one of the things I saw on the menu, I was just curious because I'm not familiar with it. You you're, you have you're doing frites with. Um, George's Organic Fried Egg is yeah. an option. Who's, who's George? George George Rasmussen. We get a lot of our, uh, I think it's what is it, Hill Creek Farm, I think. He comes once a week. He's going to bring our chickens, the chickens that are on the menu. Um, he does all our eggs, you know, farm fresh eggs. And one of the things when I was in Spain was you'd go to all these tapas places. And what the tapas places, I mean, everyone was eating French fries with uh, egg on top. It's just fucking good, mm-hmm. you know. It's like, sure. you know, and if you get a fresh egg and it just slops up, I mean, sure. it's 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 kind of one of those nasty good things. Yeah, I've, I've been known to have some poutine in Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, the, it it's poutine. Together. It's poutine esque. I might, I guess, even be a little lighter than poutine. Right. So. No but gravy. I think it's, that's, yeah. <laughs> no cheese curds. There you go. But I think that that was that was the inspiration there. How does it feel to be sort of on the precipice a couple of weeks away from? You know, I don't think it's unfair to say that this might be the most anticipated or one of the most anticipated restaurant openings of the year. What does that feel like to you, you know, having been in the industry as long as you have now? I think it's, I don't know, it's a little overwhelming, I guess. I mean, it's, you know, you saying that, you're like the tenth person to tell me that, you know, and I'm like, what does it mean? I'm like, is it like going to see the new Indiana Jones and you guys are going to go there and be like... There's going to be lines out the door. Well, yeah, and then you go there and you're like, what, a spaceship? You know, like, are you kidding me? You know, this, is, this isn't this is what I thought it would be. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's beer, pork, and oysters. You yeah. know, I think that it's going to be a beautiful restaurant. I think we're really going to care a lot about the food. I have a feeling there's people lying out the door to, to just fucking cut us down, you know, and, and, and say... Sure. So say you know, well, you, well, know, you guys fries like suck. Back yeah, I mean, it, for so long you know, and it's it's only anticipated because it's taken so freaking long to open, you know. And you know, there's no one more excited for it to open than me because I've been back for two years waiting for it to open. And you talk to the guys that are building it, and they're like, "We've opened, we've built two restaurants in the time that it's taken to open this one." And it just because they want to do it right, and I think that that's we're going to try to do it right. Um, but I feel like, you know... It, so when those people come to cut you down, there won't be as much or not, nothing to cut you down. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that it's I think it's going to be a beautiful room. I think the food's going to be simple. I mean, uh, that's that's going to be, I think, the hardest part is that, you know, Paul's going to be there, and Paul's going to make sure that the food, that, you know, that I don't do something that he thinks is, is not right. Um, but, you know, he really wants to make it simple, and I really want to make it simple. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do right. And you've been you've had chicken a million times in your life, and we're going to try and do chicken, and you're going to compare it to grandma mom. grandma's chicken, you know. And we're going to do hash browns there. And there's a diner down the street you've been going to for 20 years, and you've had a hash browns, and you can have those to compare them to too. So yeah, 
you know, you have to compete against nostalgia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I mean. That's Jonathan what we're trying to do. Yeah, I know. Well, that's we were talking about. We were practicing hash browns the other day, and I was like, you know, what we need is a big jug of that artificial yellow, like grease to cook these on, and a big bag of Cisco shredded hash browns. But instead, I'm going to the farmers market and I'm buying like, or you know, these these natural potatoes and trying to reproduce that that taste and. Uh, so I'm I'm super excited, you know. I, you know, I, I might have to be like Rex Grossman and not read the newspapers and not get, you know, not be upset by the booze and know that it's it's good uh, and it's what I like. Um, but you know, when people say this is the most anticipated restaurant, I I, I get worried that I, I don't know what they're yeah they're high hoping. expectations. Yeah, I, well, I don't. High, you have to yeah, meet those. we're not gonna we're not gonna reinvent the wheel, and uh, you know we're just trying to. We're just trying to make good food, and I think that that's... Hopefully people get it. Well, I think part of the anticipation is that people want more casual spots. Yeah. Places that they, you know, they can go to however they want to dress, however they feel for that night. But at the same time, you want the quality of food to be there. And generally speaking, all the people that have failed along that way, it's because they haven't... They've come in on the casual part, but they haven't come in on the really good food part. Well, it's it, and that's. I think that that might be an issue where I hate to say use this, but it, it, it's almost like a Whole Foods mentality, you know. And that's the other issue is like I want to get the good product, and you may get like a a pork loin on a plate with some braised endive or something, but I'm going to go out and get the Jude Becker's pork from from Iowa, who's doing acorn fed pork, and I talk to him every day and. And you're like, God, you know, I could go to the diner down the street and get it for nine ninety five. Why is this pork loin twenty six dollars? Right. You know, and it's all it is is a piece of pork. And that's that's I can see I hear it already. It's all it is a piece of pork and some endive. And you know, you know, this is supposed to be simple food. And God, you know, where's my Budweiser? All they have are these these you know. Uh, Belgian, uh, Belgian <laughs> ales and three Floyds and two brothers and and three one twos and it's like, you know, why can't I get a beer for two fifty? You know, and I I hope that that's something that people can see. Well, hey, you know, they they spent the time to get this stuff and and the other goal is wow that. This pork is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to St. John's in London and and you taste that pork and you're like, this is the best pork I've ever had. You know, period, and, and that's what I'm going for is is trying to set a bar. You know, where people are like, you know, I've been eating apples my whole life, but God, that there's 30 Nichols Farms apples out there, and I went to the market and I talked to the to Nick Nichols, and I was like, you know, which one do you like the best? It tastes so I like this one. Let's get them both. Let's serve sliced apples on a plate, and you're really like, wow, you know, I've been eating apples, Granny Smiths. At, Dominic's my whole life, and this is an apple I've never. We talked a little bit about movies. Do you, do you have some favorite films, like your Desert Island films? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm a big Coen Brothers guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can watch like Raising Arizona. Yeah, I've been a fan of theirs. You know, I, I'm excited. They got a new movie. I just saw a little snippet about that's coming out uh, soon. I, I, I don't remember the name, but anything of theirs is is good. You know, I liked River Runs Through It. I think that kind of brought me out west. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving turkey, I, that seemed to be a theme in some of the stuff I read about you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it seems kind of self-evident why any cook would like Thanksgiving, but I'm yeah. curious where that, what that means to you. Or what. My mom told me last year, or 
why do I want to ruin Thanksgiving? And she didn't mean it like that, but I've always like wanted to do something different. You know, wrap a turkey, roll a turkey, smoke a turkey, grill a turkey. She's like, Thanksgiving's the perfect holiday. Why do you want to do something other than just roast a perfect turkey? And I think after me screwing around with the turkey for the last 10 years, I think that this year I'm actually going to roast the perfect turkey and make her happy. Um, but I, I just, I, I think Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve are two of the biggest reasons why I'm a cook. Uh, you know, a trip to New Orleans a long time ago. Uh, cooking in college was a big thing for me too. But, but those family gatherings, you know, that was that was uh, always a big deal. My grandfather, my mom's dad, used to cook it all the time. And when he passed away, I, you know, I was just getting into cooking. I was like, can I take the baton and go with it? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I love it. I just, I just, as much as the, you know, the turkey, it's it's uh, it's just that whole family event. You know, I. But at the same time, when I was in Colorado and California, and I'd come home and I'd cook the turkey, there were some times where I screwed it up, and uh, I, uh, I really lost as much as I've ever lost it in the kitchen. I freaked out one year because I overcooked it. I was out playing football, and I came and sucked the thermometer in the turkey, and it was like 20 degrees over. And I like, it, was like, it was like an ER episode where I like dove in and cracked the chest. I'm like, we got to cool it down. And my dad's like, what is wrong with you scaring your grandma? And I was like, you know, I only get to cook for you guys like once, twice a year. And, and it means a lot to me. And I, I screwed up. And they were like, you know, that's what cranberry sauce and gravy is for, Brian. You've been eating overdone cooked turkey your whole life. Relax. You just like, did something just, everybody else is doing. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I just want to make it perfect, you know. So. That reminds me of uh, I think I heard like Sarah Moulton was talking about when she like first got out of uh, college at CIA. She came home for Thanksgiving and she thought she was all like, "Hey, I'm the cook" or whatever. Yeah. And she like you know tried to do the mashed potatoes and the food processor and they got all gluey. Oh yeah. And it just like ruined her, you know. And it was like, well, the first I think the first time around I, I killed a stuffing. Where my uncle was like, "This is what you do for a living." And I, was like, <laughs> and I was like, "Oops, my fault." So yeah, and one year we stayed home, and it was just like me and my wife, and I was like, "I'm gonna go crazy." And I think you know, we were like, "I'm not gonna do turkey for two. So yeah. you know, we had like Cornish hens, and I was like, "Gonna do like some honey truffle glaze Cornish," mm-hmm. and they were like the worst thing ever. Yeah. And I was like, "What was I? I what was I thinking? I should have yeah. just did whatever, you know." Although I do like to do like turkey leg confit. Yeah, you know, it's good. That's it's the way good. to go. Yeah. I, I, I love turkey. I mean, just, yeah, Thanksgiving. You said your your last meal is your mom's minestrone and a fresh loaf of bread. <laughs> is that true? Is that, it's, and why yeah, is that, or what is it about that minestrone? Oh, I mean, my mom, it's your mom. My, so. my mom is a soup champion. I mean, she just, she, that's her thing. She makes good soup. And when someone asked me that, that was the first thing that popped in my mind, you know, Always uh, trust your gut. Yeah, I mean, it, it hurt. it's awesome. It's good. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, like, totally sweet. And, like, she, like, makes meatballs with Parmesan uh, and then and, and rips it and throws it in there. And, um, you know, she probably puts, like, a cup and a half of sugar in it. And it's, like, you know, it's tomatoes. And it's, it's also, uh, it's um, uh, baked beans instead of regular beans. So it's totally, like, American minestrone. Right, right. But it's, it's just, I mean, it, it was, like, that was... Like when I would come home from Colorado, she'd make it. You know, when I'd come home from San Francisco, she'd have that. You know, it was like it's like I would go get deep dish pizza, have my mom's minestrone and buffalo wings at Buffalo Joe's in Evanston, and I was like, 
of Golden Trip back home. So. Nobody, nobody does it like mom. Oh yeah, I mean, I, that, and it's hers. Yeah, that's the thing. And the and the bread thing. I'm just a sucker for good bread. You give me good bread and olive oil, and I. I'm good to go. So, Well, thanks for doing this. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Thanks for listening. If you have any feedback, please drop me a line at mjnagren at hungrymag.com. And in the meantime, stay hungry.